We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Hello, and welcome to the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Stefan, joined by Matt. If you don't know who we are by now, where have you been all season? We're excited to bring you this podcast. Brought to you by Blue Wire, Indeed, and Bet Online. We have a lot to get to today. We're going to start off with some news and notes, talk about some of the games that have already been canceled, some coaches that have been canceled. We're going to talk about Matt and I's kind of low key favorite, one of our favorite days of the year, and it being signing day today. And then, of course, <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we're going to get into a quick, 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 quick recap of last week. And then we're going to spend a lot of time looking to the upcoming championship schedule, uh, some fun games coming up. And then, of course, we'll uh, we'll touch on uh, the playoff scenarios and, and kind of what we think might happen. And then, of course, we will end the show with our locks. But before we get to all of that, Matt, I'm freezing in my basement. It is so cold here in Colorado. And uh, I just don't know <laughs> if I can make it until spring. How are you doing? I mean, it, we got we got like frost this morning and when i left i had to run to the store this morning it was getting the like freezing rain which is always Mm -hmm. a little bit terrifying so it's not bad though it's like 20 something here so it's not it's not warm but it's not it's not like green bay in january or something ridiculous so i I, yeah no it's I, i definitely am not going outside in the shorts that i typically wear around my house 
Right. No, no. And and nor should you. I was at the store the other day and it was like 18 degrees and I saw these kids walking around in shorts and t-shirts. I was like, what the hell are you trying to prove? It just it makes no sense to me. But anyway, we probably don't need to talk about the weather that much. There's so much to get into. Some of the big news as far, far as players go this week is that Chuba Hubbard opted out. Not really a surprise to anyone at this point in this season, but uh, he he is gone. A really disappointing year. I know you shared a, a tweet with me of someone who said that he could fall kind of like Eno Benjamin, may he rest in peace, um, did last year. Uh, I think both of you think that's kind of a, an overreaction. What, what are your legit thoughts about Chuba uh, moving forward here? So the more and more I think about this, the m- I don't. he's not in the top three running back conversation at the moment. I think you have to probably limit that to Najee, Etienne, and then... God, I don't want to give him credit. It's probably Javante. Man, he's looking good. He is, but I don't. He's the second best running back on his own team. So, <laughs> no, and I mean, I don't mean that seriously. I, I think no, that no. I think Chuba Hubbard is is very good. I think that you could probably place him in a lot of places. Honestly, I think he's probably in the similar boat to a Jermar Jefferson. To me, I think he's probably slightly more dynamic than Jermar Jefferson, just because he's proven to be a little bit more of a pass catcher. I think he's probably, I think his draft capital will probably end up being similar to someone like a Kareem Hunt in the fact that even if, if he does go day three, it's going to be early day three. And I don't necessarily think he's dead to right. Like, I think you could probably still draft him if the landing spot works out okay. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that it's going to be, I think a lot of it becomes landing spot dependent. And if he goes and kills the combine, who cares? Because athleticism is all that matters at the running back position like 90% of the time. So I'm totally okay if he goes out and runs a ridiculous 40. Yeah, I agree. And and he was someone who like, he was our RB2 just a few months ago. And the beginning of the season, that Oklahoma State offensive line was so, so terrible uh, that it's really hard to, I think, give him, uh, like to knock him down too far uh, just based on kind of what was going on there. But um, I agree with you. I think he, if he lands in the right spot, I mean, I think the the comp he gave is great. Like, I mean, he could really still succeed in the NFL. I, I by no means think that this season uh, screwed him over too much. Uh, let's let's move ahead real quick to some of the canceled games. We've got uh, Louisiana Monroe versus Troy canceled. Purdue, Indiana, Bandy, Georgia. Man, I wanted to hit that Georgia number so hard. Um, oh, I have so many bad jokes. I want to follow that up with. That was a very inappropriate line. Georgia Tech, Miami. Miami, uh, I think they're just done. I think they're pretty. <laughs> I think they're pretty upset after what happened last week. Arizona, Cal, Michigan, Iowa, and of course Oregon, Colorado got canceled. Um, I want to talk about Colorado here in a minute. Oregon, of course, being rescheduled to the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, any any quick thoughts about any of those teams or any of those games being canceled before? I mean, we move I feel on? for Colorado because they technically are the backup team to USC. So if like all of a sudden USC were to get some numbers. I think they're the backup team to both teams. So they're not going to play this week unless somebody all of a sudden bails. So it's this crazy scenario where they just have to sit around and hope that all of a sudden there's five COVID tests that pop for (laughs) uh, USC and just they won't play. I feel honestly, I feel bad for them because they're a good team. I think last week was probably not a great representation of them. I think. I was a little bit surprised by the outcome and truthfully it gave me a little bit of optimism about the Utah program moving forward, but it was, I mean, you just got to feel for a team that had 
realistically as good a year as you could possibly have under the circumstances. And yeah, they just have to sit around and watch while a a bunch of other games are going to happen. Yeah, it sucks. Like, again, everyone knows I live in the Boulder area. So CU football. I mean, it's not like Ohio State football, obviously. It's not like crazy. And I mean, crazy in the best way possible. But, you know, like people here are pissed, man. Like they have just gotten screwed over. CU has had no COVID issues of their own, but because of teams that they were playing issues like Arizona State and USC, games were canceled and they didn't have a, ch- a, ch- a choice in the matter. And now one of the teams that canceled the game against them gets the nod over them. And that would have happened even if Colorado had won that game. So it's a really unfortunate situation. Uh, Washington, of course, having to cancel uh, their Pac-12 championship appearance moved Oregon up. And so now Colorado is stuck with no team. To me, it, it felt really unfair. Like I, I, I kind of thought that in this situation, Colorado should, should have just been able to play, you know, whatever the third team is in the PAC 12 North, but that's not going to happen. So really unfortunate for Colorado. Uh, but like you said, a really good year. I think uh, we, we talked about uh, the coaching job that was done there by Darrell this year and just absolutely outstanding. I think Buffs fans have, have reason to be excited for the future. We'll talk a little bit about that game later, but um, let's uh, move into some uh, other cancellations and in, in that in the way of some, some head coaches, we saw three kind of big name guys get fired along with some of the smaller school guys too. But uh, Lovey Smith fired from Illinois, Sumlin out at Arizona state after just a thumping at the hands of in-state rivals, uh, Arizona state. And of course, Gus Melzon is on his way out. Any, any thoughts on any of these? I mean, honestly, I was watching that um, Arizona state, Arizona game because a buddy of mine who the same guy who put a tenfold bet on the uh, over under that one, uh, what was it? The UMass game or something like that. Um, he was over and we, he had put quite a big, big chunk on the uh on the over on that game and halfway through the the first quarter we were like yeah i think this is gonna hit pretty soon so it was it was uh not all that exciting of a game as far as uh from a watching perspective but what do you think on on these uh these three guys and if there's any any names out there that you think might kind of fill in in some of these spots so i think they're all kind of interesting jobs i'm gonna start from least important to most important lovey smith I understand that Illinois fans are going to sit here and think that they can get Matt Campbell or they're going to think they can get Luke Fickle. You can't. If you're Illinois, the name that you want to hear, the number one name you want to hear is Lance Leopold. He is the guy. He's Buffalo's head coach. He's won at every level that he's been at. He is the guy that you want at Illinois. He is the dude that will make you relevant. I don't necessarily know uh, if they're going to get him, but... Yeah, that's I mean, that's the guy they should be going after. Um, Arizona. I think the question just has to be like, are they willing to go to a a different system uh, that they can't just be? I don't know, they, they can't try and beat teams with everyone. Like, basically, they can't try and be what they what everyone else is, because if they are they're going to lose because they just don't have the talent. Right. So I, I mean the names I, and I just quickly Googled this Jay Norvell, the head coach at Nevada, um, Ken Niamadala, I can't say his name, Navy's head coach. And then um, Brent Brennan, uh, the San Jose state head coach. 
Yeah, he's think, done awesome this year. My God. Yeah, I, I think any of those are probably reasonable. Truthfully, if I'm them, I probably want Kent from maybe. <laughs> because, I, I mean, and I said the same thing when Kansas opened up a couple years ago. What's the harm if you're Arizona and you say we're going to run the triple option? Yeah, I, mean, I just wonder if they would bring that if they would bring that offense with them. Not? They should. They should. I think if if you are if you're Arizona, what is the harm in trying to run an offense that is different? Because if you go out there and you try and run the air raid against USC with inferior talent, what's going to happen? Oh, you get pummeled. You're going to you're going to lose. So, do something different. Try and be unique and then maybe you will find some success. Um Yeah. As the for, thing about Sumlin that, that kind of upset me the most is just what Khalil Tate might have been with a with a better coach well, around him. He didn't want. So they had, I think that it was Kent, you know, a guy, I can't say his name. I think they had him. <laughs> they had a triple option. They had an option coach that they were, um, they were looking at last time. And they went with Sumlin largely because Khalil Tate didn't want to run the option. He wanted a pro style offense and he wanted to be a passer and blah, 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 blah. I'm sucks. Um, play to your strengths. Niamatololo, I, I think it's how you say his name. But I'm yeah. sorry. Um, the other name that I would throw out there, he's not on anyone's rumor list, and I'm sorry if I'm just going to piss off Tulane fans. Willie Fritz needs to be a name on all of these jobs. Mm-hmm. He's a creative offensive mind. Um, he's really good, and I, I would like to see him get a big-time program job, or I should say a Power 5 program job. Um like I said, I'm guessing you, I'm guessing you're saving the big name for the last school we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So now we'll jump in. We'll jump into Auburn. And Auburn is there's three names. There's Mario Cristobal. Not happening. I no. Your I pitch, think we're extending him as as we speak. They're working he, on extending that his job, contract. He will absolutely not be the head coach of Auburn. Anyone saying his name is a grifter. They're lying to you. It is down to two names. It is Kevin Steele, the defensive coordinator, and the logic behind him is basically if the donors to Auburn love him and love what he is doing, then they will pay out the $21 million to make him the head coach. That's it because he has done what he has done his job, regardless of everything. If it is not him, and this is who I would call the definitive favorite to get the job, no matter again, whatever the reporting is right now, it's a dude in COVID protocol right now. And his name is Hugh <laughs> free. I hate oh, your favorite, your favorite, your favorite well, coach I, on the planet. I say I've I've said this um, despite my personal feelings towards Hugh Freeze. Hell of a coach. He's a really good coach. He knows how to make an offense. And my favorite scenario right now is that Hugh Freeze goes from Liberty to Auburn and Malik Willis goes from Liberty to Auburn, where he just mm-hmm. transferred from and That's pushes funny. out Bo Nix, who pushed him out in the first place. That would make me giggle. Um, (laughs) I I think if I were to guess right now, I'd guess on Hugh freeze just because I don't think you can fire a coach for $21 million and not have your guy lined up and Hugh freeze. Um, yeah, I mean, let's be realistic. They, uh, they, he, he, he does not want to be at Liberty. He wants to be, he wants a big time job. And I think this year was proof that he earned it. he, put together a ridiculous offense at a bottom 20 team last year. Like that we're talking about a Liberty team. That's I think two years removed from one win or something like they're just not a great program. They've only been in the FBS for three years. 
um, he made them relevant. And there were lots of times this year where they looked like they could play with basically anyone in the country. So absolutely. I, uh, I, yeah, the one name that'll be funny is that if Hugh Freeze takes that job, um, Liberty is not going to take a step up character wise with their replacement because if Hugh Freeze goes, it's going to be Art Bryles. Um, yeah. As the next coach. <laughs> so just go from disgusting human being to disgusting human being. Yeah. Fuck you, yep. Liberty. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's just move on. I have nothing. I have nothing positive <laughs> to say about Liberty. And we have a huge listener base um, from that school so we have to be really sensitive <laughs> i have a feeling that with all my political takes there's not many liberty alumnus uh there listening are. to uh to our program uh can we talk about signing day matt i know you you want to get get your hands on on that topic and it's a day that we both really really love it's it's kind of weird now that they've changed it to you know a few different spots throughout the year i know we're gonna have another big day in february so not to mention that this year is just kind of weird with covid stuff uh but no huge surprises today, but I, I do know there was one specific uh, player you wanted to, at least one player you wanted to mention. So, so take it away. So there, are, I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to make an impact. Um, I, Caleb Williams is the number one quarterback in the country. He's going to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. He probably won't make an impact next year. He probably won't make an. He may not make an impact the following year, but he's very, very good at the Elite Eleven. He won it. He won the Elite Eleven finals this year, even though. He was like the fourth or fifth best quarterback there during it, but they we all found out that the Elite Eleven is kind of a weird system, um, right? Whatever. My boy, my boy Ty won that, by the way, legit. He didn't. The Elite Eleven final. Go look it up. Caleb Williams won it. <laughs> I know, but it's because of all the sh- oh, all yeah, the shenanigans yeah. that yeah, you're talking okay. about. But so, um, Caleb Williams is going to be really good. Agbuka is going to be very, very, very good. He's very. Awesome. Uh, Washington actually picked up a five-star quarterback in Sam Heward, who looks pretty special. Georgia yeah, has Brock, Brock Heward's um, nephew, I believe. Sam Heward. Um, he look, I, I've I've watched minimal film on him, but he's he is the twelfth ranked player in the country according to the two four seven composite. And that's impressive. And then yeah, um, I only know about him because uh, living up in Seattle for as long as I did, Brock Heward on his radio show used to talk about him all the time. So I'm pretty excited about what he can do. Uh, of course, it's going to suck having to go against him every year as a as an Oregon fan. But yeah, I think it'll be very good. But so the one player I did want to touch on is a Michigan running back by the name of Donovan Edwards. He did commit today. He was considering Georgia. Um, at one point, he was considered an Ohio State lean. I think he is incredibly talented. He was a player that. Early this year, he was so good that uh, Ohio State had actually told him if he was willing to commit in February, he would be the only running back in Ohio State's class. And if you look now, Ohio State has two top 10 running backs. I think it might be top five, but I won't exaggerate. Um, So two top 10 running backs in this class, and they were willing to move away from both of those guys just to bring him in. He is a guy that is more dynamic than than their current running back situation. He is better than Haskins. He's better than Charbonnet. I think there is a decent chance he could make an instant impact and see the field as a freshman. If he doesn't, the coaching staff is um, committing malpractice. Um, it's. I, I think he is, he is probably in my top three running backs coming into college. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I, I told you before we started recording, I don't really have him broken down yet. I still need to go and actually look up some of the stats. Um, 
rather than purely looking at recruiting ranks of where they are. And truthfully, a lot of it will come down to, did they land in a good landing spot? Did they uh, go to a school where they may see the field early? Because that type of stuff matters as much as anything. But yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is a unique year. If you're a big fan of uh, college football recruiting, you tend to know that this December early signing period is the real signing day now. And that it's usually somewhere in the line of like 80% of all FBS um, yep. FBS prospects sign on this early signing period. I don't, I haven't seen numbers because the day isn't even over yet, but uh, there were some bigger name players that um, chose not to sign. And definitely there were others that chose not to announce. I believe Corey Foreman, the number one overall player in the 247 composite, I believe he did sign his letter of intent, but he's waiting to actually announce where he is going. Um, right now he's seen as a USC lean where most people expect he's going to end up with them. Uh, the other two names that or I I'll say three names, but the other three names that are ranked as like top 20 players who chose not to commit were JT to who I honestly don't even think is going to sign in February. I think we probably won't get an answer from him until potentially May I think he's going to he's going to push the process because he's been adamant that he wants to actually visit all of the schools on his list and he for him to do that he is waiting for the NCAA to allow true true visits. Um Tristan Lee, the off, uh, five-star offensive lineman from Fairfax, Virginia, he was considered or he's considered a, a lean to Oklahoma. Uh he chose today that he was going to not sign um, he is expected to announce his decision in January. And then uh, Terrence Lewis, he was a player who just decommitted from, I think it was Tennessee last week. Uh, he was, or he's the number one inside linebacker in the class. He chose, or it's not entirely sure where he's going to end up right now, but he is not committed yet either. As of right now, if we just look at the, uh, the rankings for like the top 10 schools, um, this is according to the 247 Sports Composite. We've got, as, as as you pointed out, this could still change based on where some of the other players land. But we got number one, Alabama, followed by Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, Clemson. Then number six, Oregon, ahead of Oklahoma, Florida, Notre Dame, and Michigan. So that's kind of your top 10 um, as of right now. That, of course, will change. We'll give you guys you know much deeper analysis and, and in-depth coverage after the playoff, I'm sure. We will... We'll, dive into some of this stuff over the off season, of course. So uh, we'll keep you um, abreast of all the exciting information. And I'm sure we'll have a couple podcasts around that February time as well. Uh, so yeah, really fun day. Um, I'm excited because Oregon just landed uh, like last year. They had their first, like last year they had their best recruiting class. And this year's class is actually even better than that. I'm really excited for uh, Ty Thompson and Troy Franklin Dante Thornton, it's going to be fun, man. Our offense is going to be great, uh, but no one's here to listen to me. I just need to start a Ducks. <laughs> I just need to start a Ducks podcast so that I can talk about them because no one else actually cares. But yeah, we've also care when they're NFL prospects, and I think that's true. We have a couple of them that will be. That's right. Um, and and yes, uh, for all of you Devi degenerates, I will be taking Ty Thompson uh, <laughs> in, in some of my Superflex leagues just because I want to be sure to have them in at least one or two leagues. Something else we should probably touch on real quick is some of the teams that are bailing from bowl games. I'm not all that surprised. Uh, the last one, um, not the last one, but one of the big ones I saw was uh, your boy uh, Jerkovic, uh, the, the Boston College decided they weren't going to do anymore. What do you think about some of this and what are some of the other teams that you wanted to touch on? So... Right now, Stanford has opted out. Um, Kansas State, I mean, they were terrible, but 
they were opting out. Um, Georgia Tech and Pitt, I believe, both opted out. And was the oh, and there's rumors right now that Michigan is choosing is about to choose to opt out of their bowl game as well. I don't have a huge. I mean, I can't blame anyone. I think I've talked right. about this. I've talked about this a few times this year. I think it's just when you why make these kids follow these stricter than every other player's protocol just to go play in a meaningless bowl game. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I think realistically, I think we can expect that a lot of the money they would get from going to these, um, these bowl games is probably less than it normally would be the, the, I guess fun of going to one of these games. Like if you were in the sugar bowl, normally you get to go down, you get to go see bourbon street, you get to see new Orleans, you get to experience this. And that's kind of gone because you're not going right. to do that. So there's a lot of these things that are just kind of like, it's a weird year and I can't blame these kids for not wanting to go be a part of it. And then honestly, I can't blame the schools for being okay with just forfeiting probably a million or $2 in some situations. And yeah, I, it's a bummer. I'd like, I mean, we all would like to see more and more of these games, but I mean, I don't care. There will still be there will still be football on for most of this like month. I'll be happy to watch whatever I get. Right. I don't need to watch Michigan play again. Come on. I've seen enough. They suck. <laughs> they suck. I've, I've, I've seen enough. Well, you know what doesn't suck? Uh, indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. And Indeed is here to help. Indeed is a number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to help keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Quick aside here, this is not uh, one of the 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 points I'm supposed to read, but I'm going to tell you, uh, I have had so many quality, like I've told you guys in the past, like I've been using indeed for my, uh, for my day job and I get more quality candidates than I can do with. Like <laughs> I have so many people to choose from because they're able to match me with people who actually are qualified for the jobs and are great candidates. So it's been really, really great working with indeed. Okay. Now back to the reading. Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates, sometimes a long list, uh, whose resumes on Indeed Match, your job criteria that you can contact in them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Let us look real quick at last week. And I mean real quick. We're going to blitz through this because we want to spend some time on the uh, championship game. Matt, your locks went 6-6 six and six this week. Overall on the season, you're 43-42-3. and three. Still got that winning record. Uh, you went 2-on-2 two two on our kind of regular showdown this week, bringing your record to 39-29. and 29. You're still doing really well there. I went three and one on those and I'm also at 39 and 29. So we are both uh, kind of rocking that regular season record doing well there. I went two, two and one, my first push of the year um, on my locks, which brings me to 47, 37 and one on the season. 
give us a quick rundown. Um, you don't have to hit on every game uh, that you did, but maybe uh, one or two that you, uh, that, you know, maybe really felt. Yeah, you really felt like, man, I really nailed that one. Or, wow, how did I miss that? So I'm going to just go with ones that I missed really bad because they're funnier. Uh, I had Arizona State and Arizona under um, 56 and a half. They scored 77 points. Arizona State <laughs> themselves scored 70. I was going to say, Arizona did their part. <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. Um, my favorite one, my favorite bet of the weekend was um, Illinois and Northwestern under 41 and a half because this so shouldn't gross. have hit. Because Northwestern went for it on like a fourth and three and got stuffed at the like 20 yard line. So they could have kicked a field goal and killed this bet for me. But they didn't, and I love them for it. And thank you very right. much, Northwestern. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, Coastal Carolina looked flat. Uh, Colorado came out. We um, we mentioned them, I think. They, whatever. They didn't come out and play well. And then, um, yeah, kind of, I mean, it was an up and down week. I started off three and one, and then Saturday hit, and I didn't do so well. Yeah, I... I felt good going into the to the week. Again, I had a couple of games canceled, three of them. My favorite bet was the Texas minus 29 and a half versus Kansas. And I was super upset that got canceled because uh, I'd already put down a significant amount of money on that one. And it would have been fun to see that cash. Uh, the other one that I just, I felt like that my process was wrong looking back was the, the Georgia first half money line. Uh, excuse me, Georgia first half minus seven. It pushed, so it was fine. But the more I thought about that, I really just should have, like if I thought Georgia was good enough to to beat them by seven in the first, I should have known that they'd be able to stifle Mizzou down the stretch. And, and I should have just went ahead and done the 13 and a half or 14 on the full game because they ended up just crushing them. Uh, it just took them a while to get going. But other than that, I thought it was pretty good. You you hit on both your upsets this week with both Memphis and Iowa getting the win. I had a UNC plus 133, and man, Georgia Southern wanted to, wanted to get me that plus 285 against App State. It was super close, and for a while they were up, but then uh, App State pulled it out in the end. Uh, let's take just a minute here to go over some of the, uh, the games from last week. I, I think we really don't need to spend that much time of course oklahoma west virginia was canceled we both were on the wrong side of utah 38 colorado 21 that game was a lot closer uh for for much of the game but the, it was a tale of two halves where sam noir looked fantastic in the first half and in the second he just was was really just off and Jarek brassard in the running game couldn't get going but utah looked pretty good uh my favorite thing from this game was brendan rice yes jerry rice's son had two touchdowns one was a, a huge kickoff return um, and the other or punt return. Now I can't remember. I think it was a punt return. And uh, the other was, a, you know, kind of a screen pass that he took to the house. So two huge, huge plays for him. I don't know what you thought of this game or or what you think this means for these programs moving forward. Obviously, we talked about Colorado's misfortune. But uh, what do you think? I think uh, if you're a Utah fan, you have reason for optimism looking towards next season. Yes, the team was very young this year. Uh, yes, there were probably moments when you weren't exactly having the most fun watching them. but Hey, they, they pulled out some wins that maybe they shouldn't have. So take it. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah. I didn't have a lot of thoughts though. Yeah. No, I, I think CU too. Same thing. New coach, really positive season. I think when we were talking about that PAC 12 uh, preview, like I think the over under on wins for CU was one and a half and man, they, uh, they, uh, they over, they overcame a lot to uh, to get that good record. My buddy was so pissed. Same guy. I talk about him a lot. Shout out to you, Eric. Um, he uh, he had actually put a couple of bucks 
um, with 101 odds for CU to uh, to win the Pac-12 this year. So he's so pissed at how all this shook out. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Georgia 49 at Mizzou 14. Again, it was a seven point game at halftime and Georgia just took over. I- I'd like to hear your thoughts, not so much on this game necessarily, although that's welcome too. but we've seen a real shift in my opinion, since JT Daniels was given the reins. Do you think Georgia is in a prime position with the strong recruiting class they've had over the past few years with JT Daniels in place? Do you think they're going to be a team that can really challenge uh, the Alabamas and Floridas of the world for an SEC championship title. What does challenge mean? Get there? <laughs> I mean, yes, like, I think I think next year they will be much more well-equipped to beat Florida, partially because Kyle Trask is leaving, mostly because Kyle Pitts is leaving. But, I, I mean, yeah, there's they're going to be the favorite to win the East next year. Do I think they can beat Alabama? No. Why do I? And, and honestly... You just mentioned, oh, they've had these great recruiting classes. They've been awesome. So is Alabama. And Alabama is ahead of them <laughs> yeah. right now. And Alabama has their guy for next year, and it's a potential superstar. I don't I still like JT Daniels. I actually think in my next year's like quarterbacks that I'm looking for, um, I will not be surprised if by the end of next season JT Daniels is the top quarterback going into the draft. I think he's that good. Ooh. But I, I don't know. I, there's a lot. I think the truth is, is they had the wrong quarterback starting all year, which makes me assume that JT Daniels was not fully healthy and they couldn't put him on the field. So, yes, this is what happens when you have a truly good quarterback and not Stetson Bennett and not Dwan Mathis, who still really like you, Dwan Mathis, um, but you aren't good enough to run an offense to put up nearly 50 points. And JT Daniels is. They've got really good receiving talent. I think they'll be a team that plays really good defense every year. And most likely they will still get thrashed in the SEC championship game. Right. <laughs> uh, let's move on to uh, to one of your ones you got wrong. Um, sorry to say. Uh, oh, UNC 62 at, 20, at Miami, who only put up 26. Uh, you were on the over on this game as one of your locks. And man, I regret not joining you with that because like <laughs> UNC almost covered the 66 and a half on their own. Uh, they looked absolutely dynamic and it wasn't even the passing game and Sam Howell on those great receivers that did it, but they were able to do it on the ground. Uh, you mentioned Carter and Javante uh, Carter had 308 yards rushing. Uh, Javante Williams had 236. Uh, they combined for five touchdowns. I mean, they just, dismantled Miami's run defense. Super impressive game. Um, Miami just t- didn't look right from the get-go. UNC um, did, and it was a, it was a blowout. It, it, the, the game felt every much of a blowout as a scoreline indicated. So uh, I, I thought it was a really impressive performance by the Tar Heels. Yeah, no comment. Miami's Miami every once in a while just has the like, really, really atrocious game that makes you question Miami as a program. This was that game. Right. And they, uh, and they had that, the, the same real big letdown against Clemson. Like they, they never really, yeah, but they, they should have gotten, th- they, they should have gotten destroyed by the difference between Clemson and, uh, North Carolina is that Clemson should have destroyed this team. Um, heck like a Notre Dame should have destroyed this team this year. North Carolina should not have destroyed this team. They're they, talent for talent. Miami is just as good as North Carolina this year. This is a yeah. 
Miami always has random letdown spots where they're just, they come out and they play bad. And this was a game where their run defense was hot garbage. Michael Carter is very good. He's probably going to be a eh, fringe day two pick. Michael Carter nearly went for uh, Jarrett Patterson numbers. Right. Like that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Like they combined for the most, I'm stealing this uh, stat and I don't actually know that it's factual, uh, but I'm stealing it from cover three. So if it's wrong, it's on them. But basically Carter <laughs> and Williams combined for the most by any running back pair. That's stupid high and uh, most yards. So like if you're letting up 500 rushing yards, there's no defense for you. You suck this game. Yep. Hope Absolutely. that next year you don't suck as bad. Yeah. And if you look, and my point wasn't so much uh, disagreeing with you as much as Miami's only two convincing wins on the year were, were Florida state 52 to 10 and Duke 48, nothing. Everything else was pretty damn close. And uh, it just makes you kind of wonder how, how good they, they were or weren't. And if maybe they're a little fraudulent and, and what the future might hold. But the last game uh, that we talked about was USC at UCLA. Uh, USC was able to, to cover the three winning by five. Uh, they did need a big comeback at the end. UCLA was up, up for a lot of the game up pretty big and, and USC was able to come back. Uh, that might be a storyline for, for later on as we look at the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, but yeah, I actually didn't watch uh, anything but the highlights on this one. I don't know if, if you had anything to add to this before we uh, get into our, our long list of games that we want to talk about. Uh, I didn't watch a second, but I'm looking at the stats real quick. Um, DTR, uh, Dorian Doriel. Doriel Thompson Robinson. Dorian. Gosh darn it. I get it wrong every time. Uh, 30 for 36, 364 yards and four touchdowns uh, through two picks. But I kind of don't care if you throw that many yards um, and your completion percentage is that good. I don't know if he's actually NFL caliber, but I do know that next year when I'm looking for um, like DFS plays every every couple of like podcasts when I'm talking about him. If he's in a good matchup, he's a player I'm going to be looking at. He's really athletic. He also rushed for 50 yards in this game. He's he's a player that is going to continue to be fun to watch. And because we have to mention him, because we're legally obligated to, Keaton Slovis, uh, 30 for 47, 344 yards, five touchdowns, and two picks. He's really good. Um, I think he's probably most people's QB1 going into next season, and I don't agree with it. And I, I think too, it's kind of been a tale of two halves for him, quite quite literally, both both in the first half of the season and the second half of the season, but also in games themselves. He's he's really seems like it takes him a while to to get going on offense. He's able to close out games, but the beginning of games have not been great. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our colleagues over at Rotoviz, and we will be back to look ahead to Championship Week and all that you need to know as far as far as uh, what we think is going to happen and then we will give you our locks so without further ado here's our boy curtis what's up listeners this is curtis patrick i just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting rotoviz radio you are the absolute best audience in the business and i know it as a special thank you i'm offering 10 percent off your next rotoviz subscription just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. 
If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. And we are back. Let us get into the championship week. Let's start with the games that are taking place on a Friday night. We have the MAC championship at Ford Field in Detroit. We've got Ball State versus Buffalo. Buffalo favored by 13 and a half. The total is set at 66 and a half. So far this year, Ball State is five and one. They're three and three against the spread, while Buffalo is a healthy five and zero oh, and are four and one against the spread. Where are you on this one, my friend? I'm taking Buffalo, um, mostly because it's Buffalo, and I do not want to go against them again. I was wrong once this year with them. Uh, I'm not going to be wrong again. Buffalo is going to do Buffalo things. They're going to run the ball incredibly well, and I don't know. I, I It's hard to see them getting stopped, so just give me Buffalo. And if you want a player to watch, the only player worth watching is Jared Patterson. Don't watch anybody else. Or Kevin Marks, the, nope, the backup Patterson. Who- Whoever is at running back for Buffalo, watch them. They're fun. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you on this one. I, I'm going with Buffalo against the spread. Um, I'm also leaning over on this one. I think you put it well. Buffalo's offense is just rolling out. Granted, they have got they have had the uh, the luxury of playing Akron and Bowling Green, two of the worst teams, uh, but they are doing what they need to do, even against bad teams. They're, they're averaging just under 52 points per game, which is first in the country. They're also first in rush yards with 345 per game. Sorry. Uh, their defense, um, Ball States, is, is slightly better than average first to run, but I don't think it's near good enough to be able to stop, like Jarrett Patterson, as you mentioned, who's got already got 1,025 yards in just five games, and, and Marks himself has over 510 yards. Uh, so... This this running back duo is is really really good, and they will not be a slowdown by Ball State. Uh, the over has hit in nine of Buffalo's last eleven and seven of Ball State's last ten. So I think this will be a really fun game to watch. Lots of scoring, and yes, I do think that Buffalo is able to win by two touchdowns. Uh, let's move on to Conference USA Championship at Jones C. Edwards Stadium in Huntington, West Virginia. We've got UAB. First, Marshall. Marshall favored by five and a half, and the total is set at 42. I nearly made this game a lock. Um, I think UAB is underrated in this spot. I actually think that Marshall has looked relatively unimpressive recently, and I'm going to take UAB to cover. I'm not super-duper confident, which is why it won't actually be listed as a lock. It's really, it's S&P Plus has this as the wrong side. S&P Plus has Marshall as a uh, slight underdog in this game. And I would have not actually, it's been probably, let's see. It's been a couple of weeks where that since I've been really impressed by this Marshall team. I know they, uh, I don't know. They're just, it, Marshall looked like a juggernaut early in the year and they've they've slowed down a little bit. So I'm just not as impressed with this team as I expected to be. So yeah, give me, give me UAB here. Yep. I hear you. However, uh, UAB other than their squeaker against rice where they won 21, 16 hadn't played since October, since Halloween. So they are, you know, maybe a little, little rusty. Uh, you know, they did have that rice game to knock, you know, some of that off. Maybe they'll be good to go, but I am leaning Marshall here. Uh, Marshall has been super good this year. They're 7-0. They're 5-2 against the spread. 
uh, whereas UAB is, is only 216 against the spread. I think Marshall takes care of business. Uh, they have the fourth scoring defense and fourth um, against yard, fourth defense against rush yards allowed. So I, I think Marshall's able to shut down UAB, uh, not shut them out completely, but I think they're able to, to win by a touchdown. So we will be on opposite sides on this one, uh, but I'm, I'm rolling with the thundering herd, my man. Uh, now let's go to, you know, the most important game Shut of the up. year. Pac-12 championship at United Airlines Field in Los Angeles. We've got the Oregon Ducks versus the Trojans of USC. Line is three and a half. The total is 62. Where are you on this one? So I was going to pick USC in this game. Um, when I initially was looking at it, I was going to pick USC. Um, and then I started breaking it down and actually looking at everything. I am taking Oregon here because USC had does not have the running game strength to exploit this Oregon defense. Yes, Oregon's pass defense hasn't exactly been stellar, but they have been worse against the run. So because I don't think that USC is going to put up explosive run plays against this Oregon team, I think Oregon's offense will be able to do enough to... I guess turn this into a little bit of a show, or like a little bit of a shutout, and they'll probably be able to get a cup shootout and get a couple more stops against this USC team. So, Oregon. would you lean? Would you lean the over in this game as well? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I I, yeah. I don't see either one of these defenses coming out and having stellar performances. Yeah. Um. So to me, this game, and maybe this is too. A broad or general of analysis to me though this game is really going to come down to turnovers if the secondary for oregon can can get slovis to throw a couple of interceptions and if shuck and company can actually keep from turning the ball over i think oregon can win this game uh fairly convincingly however uh, i don't know if they'll be able to do it and, and oregon has not done a great job of holding on to the football themselves so i really think that whoever wins a turnover battle in this game ends up winning the game um I was leaning Oregon, then I was leaning USC. I feel like I haven't gotten a good read on this Oregon team, even having watched every single snap um, of the season, pretty much. Um, and I still just don't know. They just seem very Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, one day, they they look really good. Tyler Shuck is rolling, but the defense is struggling. And then the next, the defense is, is looking good, and, and Tyler Shuck can't complete a pass and is making terrible decisions. Um, I think at this point, USC actually is able to come out uh, with not only the win, but I think they cover not by much. I think this Cowards. will be a close game, uh, but Hey, I got to pick with my head and not my heart. This is not a game that I'll be playing um, or, or putting money on. I should say, although the total might be something that I, that I look at, but um, yeah, I just don't see Oregon uh, being able to, to shut down USC's offense enough. And they, they still, as much as I loved Pittman and uh, some of their other wide receivers, uh, Oregon just has not been able to really, find a consistent passing game. And I think that could hurt them in a, in a shootout where they're relying too much on, on running the football. Now, granted they've done pretty well at that, but uh, I just think Tyler Shuck's going to make one or two uh, mistakes and that could, could cost us. I know I'm the huge, huge Shuck lover. Um, but uh, yeah, I just don't know if he's able to pull it out. Let's move on to the Saturday games. Um, I, I, I'm not going in order of when these games are taking place. I, I kind of put them, uh, from the the smaller schools to the bigger schools, games with more um, maybe uh, well, I guess that's not true because I have Louisiana versus Coastal Carolina first. Coastal Carolina minus three and a half. The total is at fifty five. This is the Sun Belt 
championship game at Brooks Stadium in Conway, South Carolina. You just changed yours, my man. Yeah, going undefeated is really hard. I don't know if this Coastal Carolina team is good enough to go undefeated. I think this Louisiana team has kind of been forgotten for how good they actually are. Um, I'm going to take them because they're fun. And and the the Ragin' Cajuns are 9 and 1 on the year. I mean, it's they're, they're they've had, have had a really impressive season themselves. I, I think you bring up a really good point. I do think that some people have kind of forgotten to them. Now, they their only loss was to this Coastal Carolina team back in October. They lost 27 to 30. So, uh not only is it difficult to go undefeated. It's also uh, difficult to beat the same team twice. And that's exactly what the Chanticleers will have to do to, to go to 12 and 0. So I'm actually, I kind of agree with you from a, a strict looking at what's most likely to happen. However, I do think this is a special team. I think coastal is able to take care of business. I think that they win in a close one. I think they win um, by just more than a field goal, barely get the cover uh, so I will lean coastal, but man, I don't feel great about it, but it would be fun to see them go undefeated. Uh, let's move on to the Mountain West. It's Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas, Nevada. Man, these <laughs> this San Jose State team um, has just had the craziest of years. Uh, they've had to be all over the place, uh, not being able to play at home. Uh, these players have been away from, from their family for, for so long. Um, they're getting six and a half points against Boise State. Uh, the total is at 54 and a half. Uh, talk about a game I got wrong last week was the Boise State um, total. I was on the over and they didn't didn't sniff it. Uh, but this game, uh, man, it's it's going to be interesting. San Jose State has looked really really good at times. Um, I'm curious to hear your kind of analysis of this one before uh, before I give you my opinions on it. What if I don't have analysis? <laughs> oh, that's fine too. Honestly, I just think San Jose State's the better team here, and I think they're probably going to take this game outright. You think outright. So would you I, be willing I, to go a little uh, little money line on this one? Or are you just going to stick uh, stick with the points? Why don't you scroll down the page a little bit? <laughs> Ooh, uh, that's funny. Um, I I watched um, San Jose State's uh, their game last week. And Starkle seemed very up and down. Now, even though they got the win, uh, he just looked a little inconsistent to me at times. Uh, I do wonder if he'll be able to put together a complete game. Uh, now, they did end up beating Nevada by 10. Uh, it was a fairly comfortable win in the end, but for a while there, it was pretty close. So um, I am curious to see what they can do. That being said, I, I was a big fan of uh, Bailey, something or other, their their wide receiver, uh, their senior wide receiver, their captain. He's got the worst dance moves you've ever seen but he can catch a football. Uh, in fact, uh, Starkle hit him for a deep one early in the game where, you know, he didn't actually catch it. It, it kind of hit him in the head and then bounced into his hands. <laughs> it was really quite hilarious, uh, but he sure did celebrate like he was, uh, like he was great. Um, I, um, I'm, I'm with you on this one though. I think San Jose state is able to, uh, to keep it within a touchdown. I do think Boise state wins, uh, but I think it's a pretty close game. Uh, let's move on to the American athletic conference. This game is being played in your, Hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio, Ohio at Nippert Stadium. Uh, the line is 14. The total is a pretty low 46 and a half. I think Cincinnati rolls in this one, but not quite um, enough to, to cover the 14. I think Tulsa is able to get in with a backdoor cover. Their defense has been pretty good this year. I know Cincinnati is amazing, um, but but I think that Tulsa is able to keep it within two scores, although I think the game itself plays out as a 
less close than the final score will indicate. Where are you on this one? So I almost put down Cincinnati as a lock. Actually, let's ignore that comment I just made. Um, (laughs) I really like the Cincinnati team. I really like teams that are pissed off. This team has right to be very, very angry. They're getting completely overlooked. And I I think, well, teams tend to do a little bit better when they come back from COVID protocol stuff, largely because they tend to get players back. Cincinnati has missed the last couple of weeks, and it's been a little bit of a disappointment. And I think their defense is going to come out looking really good. And I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I don't think Tulsa is going to score that many points. And Mm. since both of these teams tend to be low scoring, I think a matchup like that is a good spot for Cincinnati to kind of do what they do best, which is run the ball pretty aggressively. And I mean, just make you make mistakes. I think this game probably, it'll probably be closer than I'm comfortable with. And I'm not actually going to take it at 14. I'm going to shop around a little bit and you'll see. You'll hear about this game later. I like it. I like it. I will say Tulsa's five and one on the year and five and one against the spread. So if you think they're going to uh to lose, maybe uh maybe you are maybe maybe Matt is on the right side of this one. Bearcats, of course, are eight and no, but they have not played a game. Um they have not played a game and since their last game um teams against Tulsa was n- no I was gonna give the date that they haven't played since November twenty first um against UCF. Uh, so it's it's that was my birthday, by the way, uh, and it's been a while. Um, that was my point. Yes, obviously they haven't played a game since they've played a game. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. <laughs> uh, big, the Big Twelve Championship at AT and T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, Oklahoma versus Iowa State, a rematch. Iowa State getting the the better of Oklahoma in that big upset win earlier this year. Uh, both these teams have really progressed even since then. I think Iowa State's offense has gotten a lot better since the beginning of the year. Brees Hall remains one of my favorite players in all of college football. Uh, Just outstanding running back. But what is going to happen on the field? Of course, Iowa State with that 37-30 win. Last time they met, the line is 5.5. Over-under set at 58. Where do you lean on this one? I'm torn, actually. In my heart and, and just gut instinct, I think Oklahoma comes out and just rolls. I think this is a spot for them to show that they have been kind of forgotten about and maybe not in a way that they should have. I think they would, for Oklahoma, they would like to come out and have one of those huge performances that makes that you think, hmm. Well, if there's a little bit of chaos that ensues, maybe Oklahoma needs to climb up these rankings really, really fast. And this is, I mean, it's a good spot for them to do it. Now, their defense needs to actually come out and play average football for that to happen. And I'm not positive that that's possible. I'm taking Oklahoma just because I think it becomes an avalanche. And I think Iowa State gets stopped a couple of times, and I think that Oklahoma's offense has been rolling ever since the return of Ramondre, St- Ramondre Stevenson. If I mentioned his name this year, I think he's important. Um, <laughs> so I think Spencer Rattler has a strong game. I think they they win. I think they probably win by a touchdown. And I think this is the over is probably the smartest play of the bunch. Yeah, what's crazy is just looking at OU's last few games. Uh, since that crazy Texas overtime thriller where they were able to uh, to get the win 53 to 45 uh, they have only allowed 
more than 14 points once. And that was 28 points to Texas Tech on Halloween. Uh, there are other games, you know, 14 to Baylor, 13 to Oklahoma State, 9 to KU, and 14 to Texas Christian. Of course, these aren't like stellar offenses, but um, in the past, we've seen Oklahoma just hemorrhage points to to bad teams, and they have done a lot better at showing that up. So I do think the defense is improved. Now, I think you're right that Iowa State will be able to score because I think Brees Hall will get going. That being said, um, OU's rushing yards allowed defense ranks seventh in the country. Now, a lot of that is because teams have to throw to catch up and, and can't run the ball, but they're they're averaging only giving up 89 yards um, a game on defense. So I do think uh, it could be interesting. I, I think Iowa State keeps it close for a while, but then Oklahoma does end up winning by more than a touchdown. So I'm with you. Give me Oklahoma. Let's move on to the game that you're probably most excited about. We've got the Big Ten Championship game at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana. We have Ohio State versus Northwestern. The line is 20 and a half. The over-under is set at 57 and a half. Northwestern on the year, 6-1, and 5-1-1 ATS. Meanwhile, Buckeyes are undefeated at 5-0 and and 3-2 and against the spread. I'm assuming you're going with Ohio State here because that's your your, your first love, <laughs> and I'm reading it. And I can't. I don't know if you've ever picked against Ohio State, <laughs> so uh, give me some reasoning though, because I'm I'm sure that this is not strictly based on homerism. It's like fifty percent home. No, it's not actually. <laughs> so this is the kind of matchup that actually really favors Ohio State because you're going up against a team in Northwestern that is not explosive in the passing game, as we've seen this season. Ohio State actually does have some flaws. They're not as good as they were last year because they get exploited in like vertical passing games. So players like Ty Freifogel had a big one. Uh, Jaden Naylor uh, from Michigan State had a couple of big plays. Um, I don't remember who else. But Rutgers threw kitchen sink at them, so they just kind of made unique things happen. But over the course of the season, they've actually gotten really, really, really good at stopping the run. Northwestern is a team that runs the ball about 55% of the time. They're a team that does not necessarily get a good line push. And that's going to be a struggle when you're going up against what is arguably the two best defensive tackles in the last like 10 years for Ohio state. So with that in mind, I, I do think that Northwestern is going to come out early. They're probably going to try to be a little bit creative and do some like trick plays to get things going. But they're over the course of the game, they're going to really struggle to run the ball and, because of that, they're going to have to start going to Ken Peyton Ramsey, create passing, uh, deep passing plays, and I'll read off a couple of stats later, but no, they're not going to be able to do that. And Ohio State is going to, I mean, they're an avalanche team. Ohio State might get stopped early. They might end up falling behind like 7 nothing. Heck, they might fall behind 10 nothing. But what eventually happens with this Ohio State team is it's the dam breaks. And when the dam breaks, you're not stopping this Ohio State offense. They're going to score because their receiving core is too good. They're going to score because their running backs are going to like run away from you if you miss a tackle. And they're going to score because they have the best college football quarterback. I know. I'm I'm sorry, Kyle Trask fans. Um, I think the Jeff- I think Trevor Lawrence fan. Well, Trevor, no, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is the best NFL prospect from a 
Who am I certain is going to But I don't think Kyle Trask fans, well, they probably do think he's better than Justin Fields. Um, (laughs) What I'm saying to that is I think that Northwestern is probably going to have some moments where their defense looks good. And then what's going to happen is Ohio State's going to have a drive where they score on two plays. Um, And Northwestern's going to come out in three and out on the next one. And Ohio State's going to score in four plays. And the game's going to get out of hand very quickly. And then when Northwestern has to pass the ball just to stay in the game is when Sean Wade gets a pick. When they they go three and out just passing and they have to punt. And it's just, it becomes a, this is the type of matchup that really favors Ohio State because you aren't at that big risk of giving up the explosive pass. Yeah, I do also think Ohio State is still out to prove uh, that they do belong in the playoff. Now, I think both of you, uh, both you and I agree. Both that of you agree. Both of you. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, man. It's been a long ass day. Um, I do think that no matter what, they're in the playoff if they win. But I do think they aren't going to be satisfied with keeping this game close. I feel like at the end of this game, um, like I won't be surprised by any. Out- the only outcome that would shock me is Northwestern winning. I could see this being a lot closer than we expect just because. Um, a couple of weird things happen. Northwestern's able to stay in it longer, eat a lot of clock. Their defense plays well, and Ohio State just gets the job done and wins by ten. Uh, I could also see Ohio State winning by thirty-two. You know, like to me, there there's a lot of very variance in this game, and a lot of it kind of depends on how sharp Ohio State is early. Because, like you said, if they get up early, uh, this could be a blowout, and it could be over so so fast. And I kind of am leaning that way. Uh, Northwestern has only scored over 28 once this season, and that was versus Maryland. And uh, they're going to need to do a lot more <laughs> than that to, to keep up with Ohio State. So I'm with you. Give me Ohio State uh, to cover three touchdowns. It's a big number, but they'll be able to do it. Uh, one thing, if there's one thing I've learned this year, it's that is that good teams can cover big numbers. I mean, just look at what we do with Alabama every week. Uh, next is. The ACC championship game at the at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. We have Clemson favored by 10.5 against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Of course, Clemson's one loss this year came against Notre Dame. Uh, Clemson, as we all remember, uh, lost that game 40 to 47. Of course, Trevor Lawrence was not there, but uh, Clemson nine and one. They're only four and six against the spread. And Notre Dame, although they are ten and zero, are also only five and five against the spread. So both of these teams kind of struggle to uh, to hit that that big number here. Uh, so so what do you think happens in this one rematch? But of course, Clemson has not only Trevor Lawrence but a couple other key players back in this one. I will be honest with you. Um, I was super surprised that the number came in um, where it did. Like I think it came in at seven, but then it, it moved to ten and a half. So so pretty interesting that people were all over Clemson on this one. The totals at sixty one. What do you think happens in this one? So I'm torn because as an Ohio State fan. I'm very likely going to be rooting for Notre Dame to win this game by a small margin um, because I think Ohio State matches up really well against Notre Dame, and I would like that matchup. Um, but realistically, I think that first game, while everyone remembers that Trevor Lawrence was out, they were also missing very key defenders, and those defenders would likely have come in pretty handy when Notre Dame's offense opened it up for the first time all year. Now, in this spot, I, I do think they're going to limit the success that Notre Dame had. And I find it difficult to believe 
that Notre Dame is going to have more more success against Trevor Lawrence than they did against DJ Ulongolele. I while the quarterback wasn't the issue in that game, I I do think Trevor Lawrence is less prone to making any mistakes um, that a young quarterback would make. So I'm taking Clemson because when that first game happened, I thought Clemson was going to win big. And because I think Trevor Lawrence plus the returning defenders makes a big difference, I'm going to say they win this game by about 17. And then you get a rematch of last year's uh, semifinal matchup against Ohio State. I agree with you that Clemson wins, but it's hard for me to to lay double-digit points with Clemson. So I'm going to stick with Notre Dame here. I think you bring up a lot of really great points. I think Clemson, like 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 you said, I think they have every opportunity to uh, to change the script on this game based on some of the personnel that they're they're getting back. But Notre Dame's been a really solid team, and and I just think they are able to keep it close. I don't see them getting blown out just with their style of play. I, I will say if Clemson gets up in a hurry, it could be trouble for Notre Dame. Uh, we have not seen them need to rely on a, on a heavy passing game um, with a vertical threat of an offense uh, at all this year. So if they get down, it could be trouble for them. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it, it's a, it's a back and forth battle and uh, Clemson en- ends up winning by, by one score. Um, not two. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with Notre Dame and the 10 and a half points. I feel like that's, that's enough that I feel comfortable. If it drops down below double digits though, um, you won't see me touch this one. Let's go to the last championship game we have for the weekend. We've got the sec championship. It's taking place at Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Of course, we've got Alabama versus Florida. Florida is being given 17 points. The total is 74 and a half. Alabama on the year. We all know they're undefeated at 10-0, but they're 8-2 against the spread. Meanwhile, the Florida Gators are 8-2 total um, with a 4-5-1 ATS. How are you going to go with this one? I mean, you and I have been saying it all year. If you play Bama every single week, you're going to make money. Yeah, Um, 80% victory. (laughs) I'm not going against it. I think there is a very real chance that this Alabama team puts up whatever number they want to put up. Um, I don't think this Florida defense is any good. I think that Alabama is going to be able to score a number pretty darn close to 60, and um, Florida's just going to have to keep up. And yeah, I I, I mean, I I don't know how else to say it, how else to frame this. Devonta Smith is going to put up really big numbers in this game, and he'll be fun to watch. And he's got second in the Heisman race. I was listening to a podcast um, earlier this week where they're like, what if Mac Jones just like to make sure he can win the Heisman and, and doesn't have any votes taken uh, from Devonta? What if he just only throws it to Mechie, <laughs> you know, like just avoids him so that he can, uh, you know, keep his numbers from getting too outrageous. No, I'm with you on this one. I think Alabama, you know, 17. Sure. That's a big number for a championship game, but man, Bama is something special. Florida, you know, I, I think, I mean, we didn't even talk about that crazy game against LSU. We probably should have. My God, that was just absolutely, absolutely insane how uh, Florida blew that one against LSU with a tossed shoe. Um, I'm sure all of you have heard of that, so we don't need to spend any time on that. But um, even in that game, Trask looked a little off. He threw a couple of interceptions, and he's going to have to be perfect to beat Alabama, and I don't think he will be. I think he'll make a couple of mistakes, and against this Alabama team if you make mistakes 
you're going to lose. You need to score on every possession, I think, if you're uh, wanting to have a legitimate chance. Uh, we saw that crazy shootout with Alabama and Old Miss earlier this year where it was back and forth for a while, but then at the end, Alabama just kept scoring and, and then Old Miss just kind of slowed down a bit. I think that's going to happen in this one. I think Alabama is up for the task. I don't know if there's a big enough number either on the uh, the what I have to lay or the total for me to uh, to avoid this game. I'm I'm, I'm going to have fun with this. Uh, we'll get into that later, but yeah, I'm I'm also in Alabama with this one. Agreed. Football is back in full swing, and you may not be at the game this year, but you can de- you still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Head to Bet Online today to take full advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the clo- the promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook sportsbook experts. Yeah, we got we got through the championship games. That's awesome. Uh, we did it. We are uh, we still have a little bit left to to go before we jump into our our, our locks or, or picks for the week. Let's talk a little bit about the playoff here. What do you think is going to happen? And you know you know me. Uh, I I don't really like all the speculation because um, it's there's just so many scenarios and so much chaos that could end up unfolding that trying to figure out how Cincinnati can make it to the playoff. You know, like we could spend two hours on that, you know, or, or 10 seconds. Um, but a team like, you know, uh, Iowa state or, or whomever, <laughs> you're just no, going to say that it's funny because uh, Texas a or whatever, go for it. I think there are five, five teams that can make the playoff eh, six. I'll, I'll throw Florida in there. If they somehow just go out there and kick the crap out of Bama, but I don't see that happening. The five teams that can make it are Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Texas A&M. I say this because, and throw in Florida again, like I said, if they somehow go out there and win big, I think they get in. Even if they just win by like one, I don't even know if they they would jump an undefeated Ohio State or um, a Notre Dame that just lost a close game. Uh, It's a weird season. Um, I think the my... most likely outcome right now, because I do think Clemson's going to beat Notre Dame is that the one is Alabama. The two is Clemson. The three is Ohio state and the four is Notre Dame. Uh, and honestly, I totally agree with that, by the way, I think that's, I I mean, isn't that what we want to see matchup wise? Isn't it? Don't we want to see, or I mean, whether it's Clemson or it's Notre Dame in the four slot, that's kind of what we want is we want Alabama to go up against a team like that that's a strong defensive team that's going to play keep away for the most part from Alabama to try and limit their possessions and play a little bit slower pace to try and um just keep Mac Jones and Devonta Smith off the field I don't necessarily and then I mean realistically is does anyone not want to see Justin Fields against Trevor Lawrence one more time uh, I'd love it I, it's it's number one versus number two pick it's a team that genuinely feels like they got slighted last year going in there to try and like get a little bit of revenge. Um, a team that has never beaten Clemson. I I just, I, I think that's what we all want to see. And I mean, I'm incredibly biased, but whatever. Uh, the one interesting scenario I think is if Clemson loses this game big, I do just think they go with the easiest option. I think they're going to just push up Texas A&M into that spot unless the one scenario I did bring up before is if 
Oklahoma goes out there and puts up like a 58 to nothing type win, like the Ohio State over Wisconsin uh, from 2014, if they go out and right. do something like that, then I think the committee is just going to say, let's put in a team that looks like they're playing the best football right now. We'll figure out a way to justify it later. And I, I just think that'll be interesting. But uh, honestly, I think the teams we want to see in there are the top four right now. And honestly, I, I really hope Clemson wins this game. And I I don't want them to win in a blowout. I, I don't actually want to talk about what I'm about to say. Uh, but if if that scenario were to happen where Clemson gets beat badly and they're looking for a new team, if the Pac-12 champion is undefeated and is still just not even considered, and they won't be, it's just interesting. Like if it was Oregon that was in USC spot right now where they were undefeated um, and then win the Pac-12 and still don't get a chance and, and are left behind for a two-loss team, I would be livid. So I would imagine USC fans would be pretty frustrated. But I think the difference is that Oregon... USC like, hasn't played as many games, well, and, right? And Oregon jumped in at, like, what, 12th or something like that? 11th, yeah. Yeah, so had they, gone, yeah. had they gone 5-0 oh, right. and oh, and were sitting there in the... They were in the playoff, or they were in the Pac-12 championship... I, I think you're looking might at an Oregon right. team that is really in consideration here. The problem is, is that USC looked really bad against Arizona State in a game they probably should have lost. They didn't look great against an Arizona team that turned out to be pretty atrocious. They're, the committee now, this season, has been pretty honest about the fact that they, they're going to lean on the eye test. Because, let's be honest, you can't compare resumes. No, not want. at all. And if you want to put in the four best teams, you can't compare resumes because it's just stupid to. Because if for everyone who wants to leave this Ohio State team out, what is the line on Ohio State, Texas A&M? What is the line on Ohio State, Cincinnati? What's the line on um, Ohio State, Florida? I think Ohio State's favored in every single one of those matchups. And I think most of the money comes in on Ohio State. So yep, I, I agree. I, I just think it's it's a unique year. And I think it's unfortunate that good teams like Cincinnati were kind of misled into believing they had a chance. And then the committee is doing everything in their power to show them in the last couple of weeks. No, we're going to keep moving you down just for funsies. Um, <laughs> it's because they don't, they don't want to even give them a chance. Yeah. I mean, I think they moved them down because they weren't playing, but I get your point. Well, the Florida lost to an under 500 team dropped <laughs> one spot. Right. So no, you're right. The the not playing thing, apparently not playing is just as bad as losing to LSU. Yeah, I mean, defending national champions. I'm sorry, I'm just yeah, trolling yeah. you now. Yeah, let's get into the locks. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the locks. I think we've got just about um, the same amount here, but but I'm going to jump off first because I've already teased it a little bit. I'm taking Alabama minus 17. I feel stupid for not putting them on my card the last two weeks. Um, so I'm putting them on there. Alabama minus 17. I'm also taking that ridiculous over 72 and a half because I think this game gets into the 80s. Uh, I just think these these offenses are going to move the ball. Now, I will be a little bit more hesitant to play the over if Pitts is out again, but I do think he is expected to play, so I'm going to roll with it. But uh, both these teams love to score. That's what they do. Uh, so go ahead and give me Florida, I mean, excuse me, Alabama minus 17 and the over in a nice double dip. I might even parlay that one. Eh, I'm okay with that. Um, I'm going to go with your boys, uh, Oregon here. Um, 
I mentioned it before that Oregon's defense, their biggest struggle is against the run. USC only runs the ball in about 42% of their plays. Their offensive success rate is about 42%, which is kind of average. They really don't have any super explosive running backs in this. And I just think that when I'm looking at this game, I, I'm going to compare talent for talent. And I actually think talent for talent, it's it's basically equal. And I think there's a, I, I would say that for being a three and a half point underdog, they are a very live dog to just come out and outright win this game. And they probably have just as much reason to come out and win it as USC, even though USC is this undefeated Pac-12 champ. I think this Oregon team is really coming in here pretty feisty and pretty live to win this game outright. So taking Oregon, S&P Plus only has it at two, so I think it's a close game. I think there's a decent chance they only lose it by a field goal, or and equally, I think there's a chance they win it outright. Yeah, no, I, I could, again, I, I'm leaning USC, but I could totally see that play out. USC also on a short week. Uh, also didn't know who they were going to be playing at first. So I, I think you're, uh, I don't think it's a crazy pick uh, locking it up. I love it. I hope you're right. That'd be, that'd be so fun. Uh, my next one is one that, you know, when, when I saw the line surprised me just a little bit, uh, it's Missouri versus Mississippi state. You can get this game as a pick them and uh, both S and P plus and some of the other places actually have Missouri as, you know, like a two point favorite. So I feel like I'm getting two points here. Missouri's been, you know, fairly good this year, five and four, five and four against the spread. Meanwhile, Mississippi State, uh, they've gone one and seven since that huge win uh, to open the year. They're uh, three and six against the spread. Again, two and six if you if you take out that first game uh, since teams kind of got to see what they were doing in the SEC. Um, Yeah, Mizzou got blown out by Georgia last week. They're not playing Georgia again, though. They're playing a Mississippi State team that to me is not great. So, so I like this game as a pick em to uh, to go towards uh, or to benefit rather um, the Missouri Tigers. So I will go ahead and take them in a pick em. Missouri, please. All right, here's my double dip. I mentioned it before. I'm shopping around. I'm finding Cincinnati at 13 and a half. I'm going to buy the hook if I can or if I need to. Um, Cincinnati is going to win this game because they need to win this game by as much as they can because Realistically, if you're in that head coaching staff, you you are trying to give the committee a headache. You want to make your team look like the team that is supposed to be there. And I think the way they do that is by pulling a shutout type performance. Uh, S&P Plus has this game at 14. Um, and because I said this is potentially going to be a shutout type performance, I'm also taking the under uh, 46 and a half. Hmm. It's a low number. Cincinnati has gone under in 10 of its last 14. Tulsa has gone under in six of its last nine, both of these defenses allow less than three points per opportunity, and they both run the ball on 50% of plays. What that means is you may see quite a few field goals. You may see uh, quite a few just stops, and you're going to see the clock moving for a lot of the game. Because of that, I do think you're going to see it being low scoring, but I do think that UC probably wins this game by about 14. Yeah, no, I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I'm I'm sticking with my non-championship uh, games for for a minute here because uh, I think there's some some fun value to to look at and I'm going over to our volunteers and I am going to pick against them. They are up against Texas A&M and you already kind of mentioned this, but there is you know not a likely scenario, but there's an outside chance that Texas A&M's game actually means something. But it's only going to mean something if they put up 
big numbers. If they squeak past Tennessee, I don't care what kind of chaos happens. They will be on the outside looking in. So Texas A&M is motivated to put up a big number and Tennessee while they're three and six, like they've, they've been able to hang with a few, few teams when they kind of take a step up in competition, they have been atrocious. I mean, we all remember them getting absolutely rocked by Bama getting destroyed by Florida, uh, even Kentucky put up 34 on them. Uh, I don't see them being able to uh, to stop this Texas A&M offense. I think Kellen Mond uh, is able to do kind of whatever he wants. And I think uh, Spiller, as you've mentioned many times, when he gets to go up against a, a subpar defense, he just dominates. So I think Texas A&M goes up big early and stays up. And, and, and this 14 number to me is, is, is shockingly low. If I can, it opened at 13. So I don't know if there's any 13 and a halfs out there. I would love it if you could find me one, Matt. Um, but, but I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to have to yep, stick with my two touchdowns. You can, you can get 13 and a half at two places. Perfect. I only needed it at one. I will take Texas A&M at 13 and a half. And, uh, man, that might be my favorite pick of the week. That's a solid pick. I am going to go with a game that kind of goes against quite a few of my principles. Oh, I love it already. (laughs) This sounds like a Stefan special then. (laughs) I I was looking at this game initially as an under because both of these teams like to run the ball quite a bit. But they played already once this year. They scored about 57 points. I'm a little bit surprised this number isn't two points higher. Um, But I'm going to take Louisiana. And Coastal Carolina over 54 and a half. And I don't have great logic for it, except for the fact that both these teams are pretty efficient offenses. Both these teams are just generally good. And uh, we already saw it happen. I don't see a reason to believe that this is a lower scoring game than it was last time. So I'm going to take uh, Louisiana and Coastal Carolina over 54 and a half. And I'll probably regret this one. (laughs) <laughs> speaking of regrets, speaking about, uh, you know, kind of going against uh, your own principles, I'm going to do the same. Uh, I've recently made a rule uh, that I don't make bets on teams that I don't watch. Well, I watched a little bit of that Army Navy game. So I feel like I'm allowed to go ahead and jump in on this Army Air Force game. Now, according to S&P Plus, the wrong team is favored in this matchup. So Air Force, who is two and two on the year, is uh, is favored by two and a half. Meanwhile, Army is eight and two, six and four against the spread. I'm going to go ahead and take those two and a half points. Um, I might actually, personally, and I want to be clear here, uh, I can actually get it at plus three. I'm taking Army plus three. I might actually go ahead and just make this a, a money line bet for myself, but for the sake of the locks, uh, I'm going to go take those three points. But I, I think the wrong team is favored as well. I think Army um, is a better team than Air Force. I think they win this game. So Army plus three feels like a good one. But again, I will probably end up regretting it. Unless you love it. Do you love that one? I I actually like that one. Um, Okay. Okay. I'm going to now, I'm going to take my first dip into uh, the Big Ten championship game because I have multiple bets on that game. Um, I'm going to take the Northwestern team total under 17 and a half. Um, Yeah, seems low. But you know why? It's because Ohio State allows a 32.8% success rate. Northwestern runs the ball on 59% of their plays. So they lean heavily on it. If you watched them last week, they attempted, I think it was, what, 12 pass attempts all game? 
yeah, that's not going to be enough to score on this Ohio State one because Ohio State has a pretty solid run defense. And I did mention before that it takes an explosive passing game to beat this Ohio State defense. Well, Northwestern averages 1.7 passes over 20 yards per game. That is the 14th lowest margin in all of college football. S&P Plus hat projects them right now at 16 points. I actually think it'll probably be closer to 13, and I'm going to take Northwestern's team total under 17 and a half. You know what? I'm going to stick with you on this one. Um, I'm going to just extrapolate a little further. How's that for a, a $3 word? Um, it's not a big word at all. I'm just a moron, so it seems like a big word to me. It's yeah. In that same game, um, you, you mentioned that uh, they have, excuse me, you you mentioned the uh, implied points from S&P Plus for Northwestern was like 15, 16, 17 right in there. Um, if you look over at Ohio State, it's at 33. So I'm not great at math, but you put those together, it's still under the number. Um, Northwestern has not given up um, more than, let me see here real quick. They have not given up more than 29 points all year. Now, granted, I think Ohio State is the best offense they've played, and I think they will put up more than 29, but I think that Northwestern is not really able to score that much. The only way that uh, Northwestern has a chance in this game is if they keep it a low-scoring game, um, and so while I think they really try to, to bleed the clock, I don't think they're able to really do it, but I do think that that number of 57.5 is a little bit too high, so I'm going to take the under uh, for the game at 57.5, based mainly on your logic for why you're so low on Northwestern scoring. So Northwestern, Ohio State, under 57 and a half. So there's an Ohio State game this week. So what does that mean? First half. Ohio State minus 10 and a half first half against Northwestern. There we go. Their, their leads at halftime this year, 10, 15, 32, 21, 28. Yeah, they've had some closer games. They haven't been great against the spread this year, but you know what they have been good at? Winning by a decent amount at halftime. I think they're going to continue that trend. And they're going to be up by more than 10 and a half points. Ohio State minus 10 and a half in the first half. I like it. It's going to be 10 and you're going to hate yourself. <laughs> I'm I've just had, kidding. I've had some bad beats over the last couple of weeks. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump into uh, some of our championship games that we've already covered. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but a game that we actually differ on. So I know you won't like this one, but I'm taking Marshall minus five versus UAB. UAB has only played once since Halloween due to COVID. And that was that uh, kind of rough game versus Rice. They were out. I know they were out 11 players, uh, but some of those players still might not be back uh, against Marshall. The, the Thundering Herds defense leads the country in allowing just 11.4 points per game. UAB is one and six against the spread in its last seven games versus a team with a winning record. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Marshall is six and zero oh, all time in conference championships games inside this very stadium. So for all of those reasons, give me Marshall minus five. Yeah, I don't have any more. So you, you can probably just keep going. Okay. Um, I've got two more. I'm going to take, and uh, I'll, I'll be quick on this one, Oklahoma versus Iowa State over 58. I feel like that's a pretty low number given it's a Big 12 championship game. Even S&P Plus has this as an over, and they don't, you know, they don't have that many overs, uh, as many as I think they should anyway. Um, I'm the over king, though, so, you know. Uh, give me that. Over 58 seems too small, so I like that one. And then my final one is, you know, I just think 10.5 is too much for that Clemson game. Again, I, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, if this drops less than double digits, I'm going to avoid it. But while I can still get it at plus 10 and a half, I'm all in. 
Uh, so Notre Dame plus 10 and a half versus Clemson is my final lock of the week. Yeah, what like, upsets do you have for me, Matt? So I only which have, ones do you hate? Well, I was I actually did look at that army uh, number. I do think they're probably going to win outright. Um, let me glance because I did actually have a couple other ones that I was looking at. Um, meh, I'll I'll stick I'll stay off of it. Um, I'm going to take San Jose State plus 180. I mentioned it before. I think they're just a better team than Boise State. I don't think this is Boise State's best team they've had recently. And while I do think that um, they're probably a decent team and that this game is probably a sweat down to the finish, I do think San Jose State is a really well-coached team, and I think they're going to just close well and win outright. Ooh, okay. I like it. Uh, this is one that <laughs> kind of, you you already put forth the case for this, and I picked against them up uh, earlier in the show when we talked about the Louisiana first Coastal Carolina game, but I do like the value at plus 142, and I could see Louisiana pulling the upset here. So I am going to go ahead and uh, even though I'm not, I'm not betting it, like I thought I was going to maybe uh, with Coastal Carolina, I will actually put a little bit on the money line for Louisiana, even though it goes against my uh, prediction, just because I like that plus 142 value. Uh, the other one, I know Arizona State is coming off a huge win against a rival. I think they could fall a little flat this week. Meanwhile, Oregon State just continues to uh, provide value. So I'm going to take Oregon State up plus 230. That's a that's a lot of, uh, of, of, of juice right there. So uh, give me plus 230 with Oregon State. No. Arizona State in a letdown spot. I have a question for you though. Before we uh, finish up no, the show, I, we're not done now because now I'm shopping oh. because I don't like that pick. I'm taking Arizona State minus seven over Oregon State because as I, a lock, as a lock, <laughs> I think that they are more than a one touchdown favorite against the Beavs, and I really like this Oregon State team. But that is a no, you sp- don't. Yes, I do. I don't like him. No, this you're week. picking against him. You hate him. I don't like him this week. You hate the Beavs. But I am a big fan of Jaden Daniels. I'm a big fan of Diamante Trainum. I think this team is going to be able to go out and put together another strong performance. I I think what we saw last week against Arizona State or against Arizona was not a fluke. And I think that this Oregon State team is not miles ahead of this Arizona team. That Arizona team. Arizona State minus seven. Against Oregon State, I don't care. All right, the 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 fuck it game of the week, uh, Matt's Matt's special. Um, I love it. I have a quick question for you. Um, I meant I've been meaning to ask you this for like two weeks, and then after the podcast, I always forget. So when we started this podcast, and it was you, Jordan, and myself, I used to kind of root against your your locks, both of yours, because I felt like I needed to to be competitive in the overall numbers because you know I was just starting out with you guys, and I need to. But now, like, I'm always rooting for you to hit your locks. I'm obviously rooting for me to hit my locks. How do you view it? Do you view it as a competition uh, where we're trying to beat each other out for picks on the week? Or are you kind of viewing it as a Rotoviz like, boost when we both hit our, our, our locks? I, I tend to be rooting so be for you. Be real. I, I tend to root for you, but not that hard. Realistically, <laughs> and, I, and this, is, this is more honest, I kind of don't care on yours. Wow, I am rooting for Northwestern and Ohio State to be under 57 and a half because that means Ohio State won 57 to nothing. Um, I don't care if that goes over as long as Northwestern doesn't score 17 or doesn't score 18 points and Ohio State covers the halftime um, because I'm, I've kind of become 
Like I look at my games in a vacuum and while I am rooting for you to look good, I root for myself to look good. <laughs> a lot. Um, but it's not that I, I, I'm happy that you are having a strong year and I'm mostly just angry at myself that I'm not because I had moments where I was doing really well, but no, I, from a competitive standpoint, nah, I mean, I'd like to be beating you, but at the same time, if, if you're doing well, I will put your picks out there and tell everyone that they should be, uh, they should be sweating them. If, uh, if I'm doing well, I'll tell people to sweat my picks, but uh, overall, I, I think we just want everyone to who listens to this, who who puts our puts all of our picks onto a bet. I I want them all to win. Yeah. Well, you're going seven or no this week, so so that'll be good. Um, it's going to be a good week. Uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, just give everyone your 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 locks for the week real quick, and then I'll do the same, and then we can get out of here and uh, enjoy the rest of our day and so, see what happened to to finish out the uh, signing day. So we'll start it off with Ohio State minus 10 and a half in the first half against Northwestern. That same Northwestern team with their team total under 17 and a half. Thir- or Cincinnati minus 13 and a half against Tulsa. And then that game under 46 and a half. Oregon plus three and a half against USC. Louisiana and Coastal Carolina over 54 and a half. And then like you said, F it. Arizona State minus seven against Oregon State. All right, I've got Notre Dame plus 10.5 against Clemson. I've got Alabama minus 17 versus Florida and the over 72.5 in that very same game. I'm going under in the Big Ten Championship game with Northwestern Ohio State. I'm taking Missouri as a pick em against Mississippi State. I'm going the over in Oklahoma, Iowa State. I'm taking Texas A&M at that beautiful 13.5 that you found me against Tennessee. Marshall minus five versus UAB. And I'm going to cap it off with Army plus three versus Air Force. I like that. I think we have a good setup here. We're um, just primed for victory. We're going to close out this season strong. Um, We are at an hour and a half. That is real long. So what would you like to leave our good listeners with this week, Matt? Bye, Chris Alave. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with you next week. That was uh, a long podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.